0: that you can use in your own classroom. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. There you'll be able to find out about all of our platforms, as well as sign up for a free 30-day trial. Aside from his regular gig as a public school music teacher, Steve Giddings is a regular columnist in the Canadian Music Educator Journal, where he writes on topics including popular music education and creativity, and is author of the award-winning book, Rock Coach, A Practical Guide for Teaching Rock Bands in Schools, and Creative Musicking, Practical Real-Life Ideas to Get Your Learners Creating Their Own Music. He also just released his third book, called Technology for Unleashing Creativity, through Oxford University Press. He has been a longtime advocate for creative musical practices and a conduit for pushing the envelope in music education throughout Canada and across the world. He is the owner and operator of stevesmusicroom.com, a music education blog and resource hub. Follow him on socials at Steve's Music Room. So welcome everyone for my second to last podcast of season five. I have a fabulous guest. I've been following Steve Giddings for a couple of years now. Love what he does on his website, which we'll mention in a little bit. Um, but Steve, thank you so much for welcome uh, for joining us on the podcast, and uh, I, I really appreciate you talking to our listeners.
1: Yeah, you're very welcome. Glad to be here. So,
0: Steve, um, why don't you tell us, as, as I ask all my guests, to give us kind of the five to ten minute snapshot of your career journey, your career path, from when you first got interested in music um, to where you are uh, today um, and yeah, as it, it, much detail or as little as you'd like. Go for
1: it. Okay, sounds good. I so I am. Um, I'm in Prince Edward Island, which is a island off the east coast of uh, Canada. You can probably tell by my accent. But That's good. Yeah, I, I, uh, I um, I teach at a school called Montague Consolidated School. It's a K to six school. Um, but where I started teaching was at Fortune Consolidated, which was a very tiny school of 53 kids. Wow. And yeah, from grades one to four. So I taught, that was my very first teaching gig, uh, it was grades one to four music, but I was trained as a band teacher. There you go. <laughs> uh, when I was in university, I was trained seven to 12, uh, cause here band is seven to 12. Right. Um, And so it was quite a learning curve going into that. Um, But even before that, uh, when we go back into my junior high, high school kind of experiences, and even into uh, grade four or five, uh, is kind of where I began really thinking about myself as a a musician. Um, Because I started on strings, like a, a... I guess violin mm-hmm. when I was uh, in grade five and I really, I enjoyed that. And then I started in band in grade seven and I was a baritone player. All right. All right. Very good. So that was my, yeah, that was my thing. And then, uh, I really wanted to learn to play the drums. So anyway, I, I auditioned for percussion at, um, at, uh, at school and I didn't get it and I was pretty disappointed, but, uh, I I decided that I'm just going to learn drums on my own, which yeah absolutely, which was the beginning of a wonderful journey in uh, in my life because I was growing up learning music in two separate universes. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you know, a lot of you know school programs are based around the band program; they're based around l- learning by note um, and not necessarily doing a whole lot of ear learning or a whole lot of uh, you know, off the page learning. Right. But at school I was learning all by, by note and doing very little, if any, improvising or composing or anything like that. And then on drums, all I did was play by ear or make something up, you know? Um, and I took a few lessons on drums, but I'm mostly self-taught on that, on that particular (sighs) instrument. And so when I say I was growing up in com- two completely different universes, that's what I mean. On one instrument, I was using very little notation, and on the other, I was using almost too much notation. Right, right, right. And then into my university, um, like I did, I did baritone up through high school, and I tr- switched to trombone in grade twelve because my teacher said you'll you'll get more gigs. <laughs> <And> so. <laughs> He's right, he's right. And he's right, and I do get more <laughs> gigs. <laughs> um, but I, I did my university program, and uh, I, I focused heavily on the classical side, where I was very note-driven. Mm-hmm. Didn't do a whole lot of drumming. Uh, didn't do a whole lot of improvising, really, on my trombone either. I did it a little bit, but, I mean, not enough to really get comfortable with it. And then after university, I actually started... Uh, with a rock band on trombone. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was a ska rock band. Very
0: cool. Very cool. So
1: we had like alternative rock with guitars and, you know, heavy guitars and singing. And um, anyway, I was one of the trombone players. And that was quite a learning curve because it was all original music and sometimes covers, no notation at all. So I got very good very quick at right. making stuff up and and learning by ear um i mean i'm still not an expert you're always everyone's learning all the time and everyone's mm-hmm. all, always can be better but i'm way better than i was and i feel like i'm uh shortening that gap in between my two worlds um and still still to this day i i play in a in a, a big band on lead trombone and i get oh, a lot very of cool so it was definitely something i, I needed Because what happened during that, we toured across Canada. And during that time, I learned basically how a rock band functions in the real world. Um, But even even in my late university days, I was starting to think about how can we put rock bands and popular music education into schools? Mm. And I actually took like a special studies in my last year on how that would look, how that could look. And anyway, that being said, I had started that band, and my first gig was at Fortune Consolidated, that really tiny school that's not open anymore. It got closed, oh, wow. yeah, um, and I was there the last year it was open. But anyway, the grade there was a grade four class of twelve kids. And so I decided I was going to start a rock band with them oh, cool. And because it was just perfect numbers and we had we just did little mini auditions and then, I had some guitars at home, like guitars, I brought in my drum set because the school didn't have this stuff. Right. And in our final concert of the year, they played a song, (laughs) a whole whole rock tune, and they were really into it. And then I got the gig at Montague Consolidated um, and I was there and I started a rock band there and started doing a lot of stuff like that uh, in class later on. And I started adding it into their regular class, um, as well as after school. And I had an audition group and there was one year, two years in a row, I had two groups because the, the admin actually was seeing the value and, uh, scheduled it into my day so I could have a separate group during the day, which was really neat. Yeah. Um, I don't have that anymore, but I still have the, <laughs> right, at least right. the one rock group, but it was it was awesome while it lasted. Um, and last year, I taught seven to nine band at the intermediate school in the same town. All right. Montague Intermediate School. Uh, it was just for a change because COVID was kind of getting to me and I'm like, I just need something different. You right, know? So, right, right, right. Uh, anyway, I, got, I tried that out for a year. I loved it. I had the the grade 7 beginner band, I had the 8 9 senior band. That was in the mornings. I also had a funk band. We called it a funk band, but it was more like a rock band with horns. Cool. Uh they had singers and sometimes they didn't. They did like stuff like trombone shorty and yep. uh you know stuff like that. Um even, you know, the arcells. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know? cool. Very cool. Um so some really neat stuff we were doing. And I also had two auditioned rock bands as well. So it was huge. And some of these kids were in all of those groups.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
1: It was really neat. And what I found the best part about it is that in the final concert, we had quite a plethora of things. And I don't usually have themes for my concerts or anything. Some people like to have a theme or whatever, but... I just said this is our concert and we're gonna play music and we had (laughs) we had rock bands we had wind bands we had funk band we had some jazz we had like authentic stuff you know like we actually had some you know we had masterworks for band right right right. we also had rock bands with masterworks you know (laughs) they were doing the stuff that you would hear uh, those ensembles playing and it was a very authentic kind of concert Um, and I remember, uh, thinking at one point, like before I started this, this, that gig that I wanted to combine the rock band and the wind band. So we also had a, basically a symphony of rock for a couple tunes Wow! (laughs) where the rock band was basically the lead. They were accompanied by the, the wind band. That's cool. And that was all in one concert and it was incredible. And it was a lot of fun. We had hired some professional sound to do some of that too. Right. And, you know, that's what music programs should be in my opinion, (laughs) you know, just a plethora of different genres and styles and kids really just getting into music. It doesn't matter what kind of music it is, as long as you're getting into music. Now, uh, I'm back at the consolidated school because I was just a one-year contract. But mm-hmm. the last couple of years I was there, I started doing a lot more tech stuff. Right. And so right now we're actually working on the, they're just finishing up some projects on uh on Band Lab for education. Um, and they are doing some remixes and they're doing uh like podcasts and certain things like that um, cool. they got to choose which one they wanted to do. And then they, I gave them some pointers and tips and stuff. And now it's just basically the last few classes. We're going to be like, all right, uh, you're going to work all class. We have till the end of next week. <laughs> and right, right. And they're, they're working on it and they know what they're doing. And it's neat to see them like, Oh, I need this microphone. I'm going to take this microphone and hook this up and do that. And then, you know, they're really thinking musically about it. Um, and when I first started doing the tech stuff, I really didn't know much, to be honest. Right. Uh, kind of like the rock band stuff, I didn't know a whole lot, but I did it anyway. <laughs> and, <laughs> I love that. And and now I know a lot about it, and um, you know enough to have resources for folks out there that that uh, maybe I can mention later. Um, that I that I started writing uh, in actually twenty seventeen, I released my first book called Rock Coach, mm. and then uh, um. And then I had a book called Creative Musicing, which is basically learning how to create from, you know, uh, the, the idea of flipping bla- Bloom's taxonomy on its head. Yep. Yep. You know, starting with creating and then learning through the creative process. Mm. Um, and then that book kind of was inspired, inspired the most recent one, which is called Technology for Unleashing Creativity.
0: Oh, yeah. And is that Oxford?
1: It's I through Oxford. Oh, Oxford. oh, very cool. I didn't I didn't yeah.
0: know. Oh, That's great. I did, it, it, did you do that with Richard McCready?
1: Yeah, he 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 commissioned it through got it. Uh, yeah, through Oxford. He read actually creative musicing, and he's like, we got to get this guy. Yeah, oh, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, that's so email. Cool. He
1: was at the T, the TMEA, the Texas one, I yep. guess. He's one of my and, dearest uh, friends. So that well, you yeah, could, you could, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, a he's great guy. A, absolutely. Yeah Richard Richard, he,
0: Richard if you're listening we love you.
1: Yes <laughs> we love you. Uh, he read the second book there the um creative musicing and said we got to get a hold of this guy and he said we need you to write a book for us. <laughs> and I'm That's like great. Uh, yeah that sounds awesome and I I I did it. Um it was certainly different writing a book for a a big publisher like that yep yep Uh, but yeah that one has a ton of stuff that folks can look at and get uh some quick tips on how to be creative with technology in their their classroom and it's stuff that i've learned and done in my classrooms or um you know did research for the book specifically or actually used it with kids you know there's Mm -hmm. lots of different stuff in there so, so that's basically
0: my journey. <laughs> that's it's awesome, and uh, Steve, there are so many parallels. If you swapped out uh, tuba and keyboards, we would be very similar. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, in many many ways. So uh, really great to hear that. Uh, just a bunch of questions that you uh, that that came up while you were talking. Did you grow up on Prince Edward Island?
1: I did. Yes. Oh
0: wow. So you yeah. know, I I went there once when I was in my early twenties. Obviously, I love uh, I love oysters from yeah. from, but I mean it's you know what
1: what the Malpecks the Malpex yeah what,
0: what what kind of uh, it's it's a small it's kind of a rural, at least my under my memory of it and it is thirty years ago but my memory of it was that it was pretty rural.
1: It's pretty rural. It's the most densely populated province in the country, but it's uh, like there's only about. A hundred and fifty thousand people on the in the okay. province. Yeah, yeah. So, and like the capital city is like thirty thousand. So, okay, it's, it's not right, yeah. big. You know, it's not. But big. it's
0: beautiful. It's gorgeous there. Yeah. I, oh, yeah.
1: some of the best beaches in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, we <laughs> unfortunately, though, we had we had the, we had Fiona come back in September there. Oh, that's right. Fiona decimated all the like all the uh, beaches uh, like all those dunes are gone it's, oh, dear. it's really too bad but um yeah th- like i grew up here and i've done everything i've taught here i i live in the same town that i grew up in yep, you know yep, <laughs> like yeah um i work in a different town than where i grew up but um you know i have family out that way um we call it down east
0: Yeah. Well, my, my, and again, I I live four miles from where I was born or from where I grew up, let's put it that way. So yeah, very similar. Um, I love everything about what you're doing that, the kind of, you know, getting every kid involved in by any means necessary by any genre necessary. I love, uh, one of the things I regret about leaving teaching in 2007 is that I had just started a school of rock because all the kids thought I Acted like Jack Black's character in that movie. They thought I was this uh-huh. crazy, this crazy wacko. <laughs> um, and you know, I don't I don't know how it was for you, and I know we're going a little off script here, but you you definitely have rung a whole bunch of bells. Um the what was amazing to me, I did a school of rock, the PTA funded it, a parent teacher organization funded it for an after school like 10 weeks. I, myself and another teacher, we each got a thousand dollars to run this school of rock. We each had like three bands that would, uh, <laughs> we would, we would meet one band one day after school. So we, you know, it was constantly band rehearsals after yes, school yeah, yeah, yeah. and, you know, sixth graders, seventh graders, eighth graders. And we put on the culminating activity was a, um, a battle of the bands. And awesome. I, I taught in that district franklin lakes new jersey for probably 10 years at that point point. and i did this battle of the bands we had a pro sound set up we recorded it we were the first ever um school music uh uh record on the itunes store this was like 2000, <laughs> two, 2000 2006 uh and so really early on we we found this website called TuneCore that was the only way to get your music onto itunes at that point anyway right. all of that to say that it was the biggest crowd I ever had. They were going nuts, crazy standing ovation, you know, huge uh, energy in the room with these kids playing, you know, classic rock tunes, basically Led Zeppelin, the Kinks, the Beatles, that kind of stuff. And the, the winner of the Battle of the Bands got to close out the spring concert the, and, and what would become the last spring concert I ever did. And, you know, I'm working my butt off with my bands, with my orchestras, you know, trying to get every note right. And and everything you were saying is just so like right on the money. And then my little, these little sixth graders came up and sang, girl, you really got me. And standing ovation, the first one in my whole career, these little kids sang, girl, you really got me. And I was looked at the audience and I went, so I get a standing ovation for a rock tune. But I spent five months working these pieces and, you know, you don't know them. You don't care about them. but It's what you know, people you, know, right? And, oh, it, and it's it, funny
1: it, that you say that because the very first tune I did at that Fortune Consolidated school was The Kinks, and it yeah, was, you yeah, really I, got I, me. Yeah, <laughs>
0: well, I, All right. So I'm going to send you the recording of The Kinks. It's, it's, that's it's, amazing. It's, oh, that's fantastic. I, I think
1: like we're living parallel lives here. We
0: are, Steve. I'm freaking out a little <laughs> bit. I'll be honest. Uh it's bizarro. Um I oh, just wow. I just I just live in a really near a much, much larger town, New York City. So um yeah. anyway, <laughs> with, with with that said, um I first came I came across you a couple of years ago because I saw your stuff in one of the Facebook groups and I I looked at, at your website. So why don't you talk a little bit about because you got a really nice side hustle going on. Why don't you talk about your website before we get into what activities you actually do with your kids with technology? I'd love to hear. What's the website? What's the idea behind it? What, you know, your blog is fantastic. Your, your free giveaways, your PDFs. Um, just talk a little bit about the website and the side hustle on teachers, pay teachers.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, so this was kind of one of those summer projects that I, that, that I do. I, I, I don't know. A lot of teachers do that. They have these random side side projects in the summer. Cause that's when you can do the stuff, but it was like, my second year teaching or something, I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to put up a website and I want there to be, you know, stuff for teachers to do, you know, my ideas. And I had these ideas and, you know, it wasn't overly themed at the time. There was just, you know, there was a, a plethora of different things and I was like, I want it to be free. But then, you know, as time went on, uh, I started, you know, getting people asking me to present. I started getting people to ask me to do stuff for rock bands. Um, And I started writing stuff for the Canadian Music Educators Journal. Mm -hmm. I started putting a blog together, just keeping things up like that. And then it just turned into this side hustle, like you said, um, almost by accident. Um, Because once I wrote Rock Coach, because basically that came from you know, years of writing for the Canadian Music Educators Journal and different blog posts. And I kind of just amalgamated them and mm-hmm. my master's degree and all that stuff Um, and kind of put it all into one place. Then things started to take off a little bit because I could, you know, sell that product. Yep. And then all these products came from it. And then I had another book all of a sudden, a couple of years later. And then I had another book a year later, <laughs> you yep. know, and then so now I have these three books released plus chapters in other books. And it's kind of just exploded more than I was <laughs> anticipating. Right. And it's awesome. Yeah. And then I just recently started a Teachers Pay Teachers site with some uh, some resources that kind of go with my Rock Coach materials, plus also some other other materials that that folks can use. Right. But basically on the site, you can find all my books. You can purchase them all there. Uh, plus my, one of my most recent additions to the site is this poster, um, uh, basically it's called, um, oh, I can't remember the name of my own poster. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's called, uh, shifting the narrative. Okay, cool. In music education. So basically it gives a whole bunch of prompts. Uh, there's, uh, about, uh, I guess there's 12 prompts on that poster, uh, helping people rethink music education as a whole. So it kind of gets the discussion started about how to think about music education differently than we traditionally have been thinking about it. Right. And uh, I have, you know, these chord printables that you can download and laminate and do whatever you want with it. I recently, because last year at that seven to nine gig, I actually had to teach grade nine language arts. Oh, wow. So that was a brand new subject for me, but it was awesome. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed teaching that grade level. I mean, there were certain challenges that, you know, I I didn't, I had never dealt with. Right, right, right. uh, Being a music teacher for, you know, 13 years at the time. (laughs) Um, But I made a resource while I was there called Figurative Language Through Song. So I was able to teach figurative language using music. That's cool. And there's a resource on there you can purchase as well. Like there, there's lots of stuff and I don't think like mo- all this stuff is affordable. I'm not charging like, you know, the academic book prices of stuff, you know, right, 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 right. You know, like there's some stuff is four bucks. There's some yep. three bucks. There's some free stuff on the site too. Still, yep. um, you know, a, uh, a very long informative book for, you know, uh, uh, 20 bucks Canadians right. for Americans, that'd be what $15, maybe yeah,
0: so- something like that. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. amazing. That's yeah. amazing.
1: Um, and the blog I don't update as much as I would like to, but it's has a lot of stuff on there from the last 10 years of me just writing stuff and putting yep. it up there. Um, there's over 70 blog posts on there, and th- oh, that's great. Of, yeah, and some of it's free lessons that I put up there, some of it's just ideas, some of them are ways of thinking. You know, there's lots of different stuff up there, Um, you know, so there's free stuff all over the place there, but also some really good materials you can buy as well, Uh, all themed to popular music education, technology, and creativity.
0: Cool. Well, for those of you that uh, don't already know Steve's site, it's stevesmusicroom.com, and I'll put a link in the description to this podcast so you can click right on it. Definitely go check it out. Super impressive. So Steve, I'm going to, I'm going to shift over now to your use of music technology and just what, what's your thought on, on, you know, why use this stuff in, in teaching music?
1: Uh, well, using tech, it's kind of, you know, like that's how music is made outside of a, a a tech, like a pro, like outside of school, you know, outside of an academic program, like In school, you learn how to play an instrument. You probably only learn how to play one, and you have to learn how to read the notes. Uh, Outside of school, like 90% of the music made nowadays is made using computers. And, you know, sometimes it gets a bad rap, but it's unfounded, completely unfounded, because this is just how this genre of music is made. And there's so much to learn about it. And when you think about the endless possibilities of sound... Technology when it comes to creating new sounds and beats and things that humans can't play yep. <laughs> or produce, it really makes you think about the level of creativity that we are enabling using this technology. Um, and I find with some a lot of the programs that are online now, like you know, Soundtrap or Band Lab or Chrome Music Lab or all of that stuff it makes music creation accessible. Yeah. Super accessible because they can make something that sounds good in like seconds. Yep. You know, and I had a kid one year we were working on, I can't remember exactly what we are working on. I think it was looping. We were doing some loops in, uh, in band lab and, uh, and which you can do in lots of different like sound You can do this Mm -hmm. as well. Exactly the same kind of stuff. They were, basically just going to I showed them how it works, piece them together, like line up the the bars or whatever and and I remember her saying I made something and it actually sounds good. <laughs>
0: Isn't that great? Isn't that and great? I'll never when- forget that. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, like it's amazing and that is why it is so important to have it in in teaching music settings because kids can create music original music and feel really good about it instantly. And then it gets them creating more because they love that, that uh, adrenaline rush, you know? And when they leave me, because the sad truth is here on PEI anyway, and it's probably very similar in other jurisdictions around North America. um, After grade six, it's banned or nothing.
0: Correct. Yep. Absolutely. That's the same. And
1: a lot of kids gravitate to that, but a lot of kids don't. Yep. And I tried to, when I was teaching band, I tried to incorporate a lot of that stuff into teaching band to, you know, keep them engaged or, you know, get those kids in that really wanted to do that kind of thing. Um, Because it was hard to like create a new course or whatever, but there is some stuff coming down from the department of education here that, that will uh, help in 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 uh, getting some extra kids into music programs without them having to be in band, which which is cool. Um, but after they leave me, I want them to be able to, you know, say, oh, you know, that chord I learned with Mr. Giddings back. I see if I can remember to play that on the guitar, or you know, we re- created this really cool. What was the name of that site? Oh yeah, right. Okay, right. so. I want to go back and they're them creating their own stuff without me having to tell them and have the skills to create music and make music of their own without me having to, you know, uh, get them to do it. Um, and skills like learning by ear and creativity are probably the most important skills anybody can learn when, when, when you're a musician. Because, or, 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 in <laughs> just
0: or in life. Or in life
1: or in life like if uh, outside of school because there used to be that old and there's still some of this around where you would where people would say well you got to learn how to read the staff that that's important that's more important that's the most important skill hmm. but i would argue that it is important but it's not the most important it might actually be near the bottom of the list because there's only certain genres where you're actually reading the staff and they only exist in schools for the most part um, I mean, there's orchestras and there's jazz bands and stuff outside of school, but they're very few and far between in in mm. a lot of jurisdictions. I'm not saying don't learn it. I'm just saying there are other skills that are more important, like learning by ear. So you could pick up your instrument and listen to a song and just learn it. Yep. You don't yep. need notation. Just learn it. Yeah, and, I mean, it's, you know,
0: it's it's funny, Steve. I I don't know how it is. So I don't know the Canadian music ed. Um, landscape as obviously as well as I do the United States. In fact, I don't know very much about the Canadian music education landscape at all. But <laughs> a lot of what you're saying are in certain areas of our country in the U.S. are fighting words, right? Saying how That's how dare true. you? And I think what a lot of anybody who gets their hackles up when they hear what you say. Uh, this is my what my argument to them all the time. We're not saying don't do band or don't do orchestra or don't do choir, because to be honest, you wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here talking today on a podcast if it wasn't that experience at some point, you know, your two worlds, my two, I had the same exact two worlds. I was playing, you know, I was jamming with my friends on keyboards trying to play like rock songs like uh, Kansas and, you know, all that kind of like all the hard keyboard solos I was trying to play and but but then I was in marching band with a sousaphone, you know, uh rocking it out on a football field, you know, the other kind. We're not saying don't do that or or that it's not it's not a valuable skill to learn. We're just saying, or at least what I say, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, is it make the tent a lot larger and, and get exactly. all the all the other kids who you never knew were musicians who then go on to become you know, DJs, uh, yeah. producers. And I
1: mean, yeah, yeah. You've heard of the the concept of the other eighty percent, right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's, so, I talk
0: about it all the time.
1: Yeah, we we often only service twenty percent of our school population with yeah. music. Yeah, yeah. What like, you know, we we say twenty percent is like your goal, but it's usually around ten. You know, right. yeah. Um, you know, a school of, you know, eight hundred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, you're yeah. you're happy if you have 100 150 kids in music and it's like, "Uh, oh, that's not great." <laughs> you know? Mm, yeah. Uh, you know, the other kids maybe don't want to music in that way. Right. And I use music as a verb based right. on, yep. you know, Christopher Small's idea of of uh of music being something you do. Um, but those kids don't want to music in that way and therefore they don't see it as something valuable and don't sign up for it but if there's right. more options it's not about taking away it's about adding to yeah that's
0: exactly you know i i also i don't know uh, we're going down a rabbit hole steve here but i think yeah. it's a really good one to go down is, is that uh, like take phys ed for example why is it that every kid has to take phys ed right and 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 learn you know all the different sports and everything but not every kid has to take music that's where i'm and, always like well, well wait a minute uh you know and I in think, music they exactly. only learn one sport exactly exactly so yeah we could go on and on I, I yeah. oh man that's a different podcast but what I'd love to yes. do is to steer it back to the music Tech what kind of projects are you doing with your kids right now I, I you mentioned remixing but what kind of stuff um you know do your kids do I mean it's spent, you're teaching primary school basically or yeah. you know so in, are you using it with the little ones are you using it with the with the older ones?
1: I use it more with the older ones, but I certainly use it with the younger ones too. Like mm-hmm. around Christmas time, what we did, we used Chrome Music Lab, the Song Maker app, mm-hmm. and we made snowflakes out of paper. The kindergarten, right? So yep. we made some of those cool snowflakes out of paper. I put them, I basically put them up on the projection screen, and then projected Chrome Music Lab over top of it. Oh, cool! And Yeah. And then we filled in the little pattern holes that we made on the snowflakes and then I took them off and played it and it was like the best thing ever. That's awesome. Yeah. And then uh, we made a little beat for it underneath and they had their snowflake song, you know, and we did that as a class over about three, uh, three sessions of it to make sure we had it and then had a name and sent it around to their teachers and you know, it was really neat. Uh, and that could be something really simple to do with the littles. And then the the grade four, five, six, well, five and six, I guess, mostly. We do more tech. We do a whole section on it. Right. And like I said, we are doing remixing now. Like uh, other years I've done like a lot of Chrome Music Lab to get them used to MIDI and get them used to different concepts in music tech. Yep. Uh, because it's a really good site for introducing these concepts. And then this year I used Beatbox a little bit. And they oh, had cool, to, yeah. You know, yeah. they had to find a MIDI file, upload it to Beatbox, and, like, play with it. Uh, and then they got really good with using MIDI and understanding what MIDI is. And now we're on BandLab. So they're using MIDI, but they're also using recording, and they're also using loops, and they're using lots of different stuff. Um, and this time they got to choose their project they wanted to do. So they could choose an ABA loop composition some of them chose that which they just had to make like a sandwich song as right. as how I yep. describe it because they have the a section the b section a section done figure out how to end it and then one of the others they could choose from was a podcast but they could do a whole episode or they could just do the opening or oh, cool. they would you know design the the intro music using loops and then do the talking over top and just introduce the podcast and they'd be done. But if they chose, so a lot of them chose to do an entire episode. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, they wanted to do extra work. <laughs> you know, They were, which means they're engaged. They wanted to do more than was required. Um, And that was pretty common. The most popular project they chose was a remix. So with the remix, uh, I didn't get any new tunes in it this year, but the first year I did it, I asked kids what songs they wanted to remix. Mm-hmm. And I got a bunch of songs, and I found a list of songs that they that were school appropriate, and they that would be cool to remix, and easy to remix. So I didn't have to like do any uh, beat shifting or anything. It was all just to click or whatever. Right. Because you know, (laughs) I'm sure you're aware of the heartache (laughs) after trying to to bend the beat uh, to fit. So anyway, I just when I found those, I'm like, ah, no, I'm not doing this. (laughs) Um, so I found ones that lined up already and were recorded to a click. And I just either found vocal stems and for, for listeners who are not sure what a stem is, it's basically the finished part of, but only one part. So you'd have a guitar stem, which would be separate from the bass stem from the, from the vocal stem. So when I have a vocal stem, it's just the vocal part alone. Right. So I was able to find vocal stems of these tunes. And essentially what I did is I created a project uh, and uploaded it to the project and then just sectioned off the sections of the song. But I made sure it lined up to the beat first. That's perfect. So I sectioned off verse, chorus, verse, chorus, or pre-chorus, whatever happened to be in it. So during the remix project... Not only are they thinking really musically and making something new out of that vocal stem, they're learning about how music or music like songs are organized. So they see a verse. Okay. And then I say, all right. So if you have this for the verse, the next verse should probably have the same thing. Yep. Right. If you do this in the pre chorus, the next pre chorus should probably have the same thing. I mean, you can certainly add extra layers, subtle layers, but it should sound like we're in the pre chorus without the vocals. Right. Mm -hmm. And the chorus should sound the same. Bridge is something completely different, gives the listeners a break. And then you go back into your chorus, right? That's great. That's great. And so they're learning how the song's constructed. And they're noticing the patterns, right? Because those four bar loops, there's always like like 90% of the time, two of them will fit into a phrase. Yep. (laughs) So they're like, that's eight bars right? Yeah, exactly. We talk about two, four and eight bar loops. Sometimes there's 16 bar loops sometimes, you know, but they're all based on two, four, eight, right? Right. And so there's so much they're learning there. And sometimes I have to explicitly point it out. Sometimes they notice the patterns and are like, Hey, I noticed that this fits. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> almost great. like it's a pattern. <laughs> there, you go. there you go. You know, we talk about patterns from kindergarten all the way to grade six. And all I say when we're talking rhythm, we're talking rhythm patterns. We're talking note patterns. We're talking chord progression patterns because por- chord progressions are just patterns. Music is all about patterns. And if they notice these things, it's super, uh, you know, they're getting so much out of it. And in a DAW, a digital audio workstation, they see the patterns. Yes, and they can they do. see the sounds, right? So they may not, it's, it's a form of notation in on itself because they can read it. Yep. you know they know yep. where they are in the song based on you know the peaks of the vocal part or um or where the loop is or the section or the bar number like they they know and they understand music that way and they can hear if it's lined up to the beat or not you know yeah um obviously some need different guidance depending on where they are cuz it's you know one of one of those places where it's a wide range of abilities and i'm sure it's like that at every school yep um but that's why I really like the remix project. I wanted to do everyone to do the remix project, but I was like, I really want you to choose. What yeah, and want.
0: it's it's great to give kids a choice. Uh, exactly. I think it's a, it's very cool because not everybody wants to do, or not everybody is confident enough to do the remix and that they'd rather stick to something like a podcast. I have yeah. a mantra, Steve, that I've said for 20 something years, which is students want to create content in the same medium in which they consume it. And that is that the kids just want to make stuff that they like that sounds like yep. the stuff they listen to. It's just a really simple thing. You yeah. know. All right, so we're running out of time, believe it or not, Steve. So I have two, okay. two, two more quick questions for you. I, sure. I, 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 this should be a two-part episode. Um, so the first question is advice. What advice would you give to music teachers who... You know, we, we've we been through this whole pandemic thing, and now they're trying to get back to, you know, the way it used to be. But what advice would you give to teachers who are thinking of incorporating music tech, doing, like, creative projects with their kids, but they may not know how?
1: Well, do what I did. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Just literally g- jump in and submerge yourself. Yep. Don't immerse yourself. Submerge Subber,
0: it. Right. I love that. I love it.
1: Jump in and into the deep end and just start swimming. Uh, And you will learn so much very quickly. Yep. Um, That's that's great. And the kids will find stuff that you probably didn't know. I'm still learning stuff about the programs that I use all the time. Uh, They accidentally discover a feature, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like, how did they do that? I'm like, how did they do that? Exactly. (laughs) And and now I want to know.
0: And it's okay. It's okay that the kids know more about the tech. They always yes. will. Just let yeah. it go. It's good. Everybody's yeah. fine. <laughs> you know like more learn, about music.
1: <laughs> yeah. Learn. And, and the thing is we shouldn't assume that we're the best musician in the room either. Right. 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 You know, we're trained musicians, but we're trained classical musicians. There may be kids in there that listen to hip hop every single day and can rap you under the table. Yep, <laughs> you know? absolutely. Um, so never assume that you're just because you're a music teacher, you're not you're you're the best in the room. You know you're right, right. Probably not. Yep. <laughs> and you know, but, even the younger kids, they probably have a better sense of beat. Some of them may have a better sense of beat and rhythm than you do, or maybe even did at that age. You know? Exactly. You know, so humble yourself. I and love that. Just submerge yourself in this stuff to learn it with the kids.
0: Very cool. All right. So my last question for you is probably the toughest. uh, And that is the magic wand question that I ask everybody. So if you could wave a magic wand and have music tech do something that it can't do now, what, what would it be?
1: Well, this is a controversial answer.
0: All right. I love it.
1: I've been looking a lot into the AI world. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I know there's some sites that are starting to do, like BandLab is starting to do, on the non-education side, they're right. starting to do a lot of AI with music. And I know there's other apps out there doing some AI, but I, I really want to see where AI music can take us. Um, would it be a matter, because I'm sure there's lots of kids out there who know what they like, know what they want to hear, but don't necessarily know how to create it. Yep and if they could you know use their words or their text to create something that's brand new and awesome that they enjoy then i think that would be huge yeah <laughs> you know i i agree um but there's a lot of folks out there that would say that's detrimental to all of humanity right right you know (laughs) i
0: look here's a deal with with the way i think on that because it is a controversial you should have seen how many people reacted to my april fool's day joke about play gpt which i thought was like the the most obvious april fool's day joke but some people yeah
1: it was pretty obvious i i I thought
0: so but some people got offended (laughs) which is great but you know, here's here's the choice that educators have. You can either bury your head in the sand or pretend that this stuff doesn't exist, which the kids all are on already. They're already on ChatGPT. They've been doing yep. it for six yep. months. By the time this podcast, it's almost a year by the time this podcast airs, the kids have been on this already. It's in mainstream media. It's in commercials. It's here. So yep. as teachers, you either run to it and figure out how to use it as a force for good, or you ban it and make it even more attractive to the kids. Right? But-
1: and not even only making it more attractive, you have to, you have to police that. <laughs>
0: Absolutely, hundred <laughs> percent. And
1: then you're creating more work for yourself. Yep. And like when it comes to Chat GPT, I use Chat GPT to make content. Yep. Text based content just to like get a start. Right. It's a really good starter where you get some ideas flowing and then just go from there. Right. Yeah. Yep. Obviously, I'm not going to let it write the whole thing for me. Of course. Um, at this point, but you know, maybe in 10 years, (laughs) but, um, you know, we may as well embrace it. There's no reason why we shouldn't. Yeah. Um, as long as kids know the rules behind it and the ethical implications behind it as well, because you obviously, you know, but nobody really knows where these AI, um, get their info.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: <laughs> and they're, you know, they're they're learning models, but that nobody knows where they get it. So they don't cite their sources very well. Right. And they don't give credit to the original artist or author. Um although like something now that is kind of scary is the the AI art world. Yes. Um because you know that you could use that as a force for good for sure. But I see AI art online all the time now, and I can't tell which is real and which is not.
0: Yeah, it's it's pretty scary. I mean, we could, Steve, you and I could, we could do a whole other episode on AI because I think it's such a. It's a, it's an onion with many, 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 many yes, layers. Uh of course. But yeah, I, but yeah, trying to figure out how to incorporate it into music software as something, as an aid to learning, I think is a really, it's going to happen. Yeah, it's Yeah, and a, it's, we
1: already have like smaller versions of AI, like a yep. drum machine that auto-generates beats yep. is AI, yep. you know, and any auto-generation stuff is AI. Uh, like there, there's already stuff out there. There's, uh, it's everywhere. I mean, yeah.
0: site re- site reading factories. AI um, yeah. our, our practice first. Our assessment algorithm is AI. It's everywhere. Um, you know, machine learning is such a good buzzword. But anyway, yes, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Steve, I, I could talk to you for another hour, but unfortunately, the clock on the wall says the episode has to come <laughs> to an end. So I, I'm going to do a part two with you at some point, my friend. That would, Yeah, that, that sounds really, awesome. I'd love that. Really, really wonderful to chat with you. I hope people go and check out stevesmusicroom.com. Check out all the resources you have there. And uh, if you're at a conference and you see Steve's name on, on the sessions, make sure you go to his uh, and, and check out what he's doing. Great to have you, Steve. Thank you so much for joining us this week.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me, that was, this was fun. All right, take care. You too. Thank you for listening
0: to Profiles in Teaching with Technology from Music First. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. If you would like to stay up to date with other music teachers doing innovative things in their classrooms with technology, please subscribe to our podcast through whatever outlet you listen to podcasts on.